Welcome to another edition of PS Editor's Podcast. I'm Whitney Arana, Associate Editor at PS, and with me is Jonathan Stein, our Managing Editor. Um, in this episode, we will be unpacking the refugee crisis in East Africa, uh, particularly in the West Nile district of Uganda. Um, Helen Epstein is going to join us later. She is a professor at Bard College and the author of the forthcoming book, Another Fine Mess, America, Uganda, and the War on Terror. Um, So let's just get right into giving a little bit of background about this refugee crisis, because even though there's been a seemingly never-ending stream of commentary and discussion on the refugee crisis in Syria, um, Afghanistan, the, the refugee flows coming into Europe, drownings in the Mediterranean Sea, all of this, but the crisis in Africa has not gotten a lot of airtime. Yeah, and, and most of it, uh, most of it in Uganda uh, has been coming from South Sudan, which has been, uh, you know, there's a civil war going on for more than three years. 1.5 million people uh, have been fleeing into into neighboring countries. Uh, it's now Africa's largest refugee crisis and the third largest in the world after Syria and Afghanistan. Um, so, you know. Uganda's taken in a million of these uh, of these refugees, about two-thirds of the refugees, and is now home to one and a quarter million refugees in total. And um, uh, Uganda's really stood out, it seems, in, in, uh, in, in, in the world. It's got a very progressive, seemingly, refugee policy, uh, which allows refugees to obtain land, uh, start businesses, access health care and education much better than uh, you know what we've seen in many other countries uh, in the Middle East and uh, uh, their treatment of refugees where they mainly get loaded into uh, into camps they've really been praised Uganda's yeah. really been praised yeah and but uh, Epstein takes issue with this view um, she says she she says that uh, Uganda is a major contributor to all of these conflicts that are generating these refugee flows and essentially, she warns that the West shouldn't trust Uganda's president. And this comes, you know, very soon after the UN Secretary General goes to visit Uganda for and praises Uganda as as a exemplar of this great refugee policy and a key contributor to solving this crisis. And she says this is absolutely the wrong approach. We should not trust this guy. So she seems to be sort of controverting the dominant narrative about yes. Uganda being this compassionate uh, uh, player in Africa uh, and you know an, a model that should be emulated by other countries which is sort of how uh, Uganda is being uh, upheld by the or, uh, you know portrayed by the international community well let's let's uh, let's give her a call and, and yeah. get her perspective hello hi how are you hi Helen you're on with uh, Whitney and Jonathan so thank you so much for joining us. Um, we just gave our listeners some background on the refugee challenge that you wrote about recently for PS um, in Uganda. Um, you know, as we mentioned, everybody knows about the Syrian refugee crisis, um, the crisis how it, it is affecting Turkey and Europe. Um, but the the crisis in Uganda has not gotten so much airtime. Um, Uganda is working to resettle eight hundred thousand refugees which is huge when you think of it in context of the, the population of 40 million, which is less than half of Germany. And Germany accepted a million refugees last year, and it was you know, this huge deal. 
Um, so we'd like to begin by asking you to explain a little bit about the background of the crisis, um, the countries involved, the forces at play, essentially, why is Uganda facing this refugee crisis? Right. Well, actually, um, I think the number is more like 1.2 million okay. refugees in Uganda. Um, and I think the number is increasing every day. Hundreds, if not thousands, were over the border from South Sudan daily because of the uh, very severe and terrifying um, ongoing war there. Um, and that's where most of the refugees come from. There are also some from uh, DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, and about um, 38,000, I believe, from Somalia. Mm -hmm. And there are also some from other countries as well in the region. Uganda has been widely praised for its refugee policy. Um, it's sort of been presented, and you know, even if you look up on The Guardian, they say, is Uganda the best place in the world to be a refugee? You know, these headlines are really um, playing up Uganda's wonderful, compassionate refugee policy. Well, actually, it's a complicated story because Uganda has actually been very welcoming to refugees really since the 1960s, um, when conflicts first began to break out in the region. It's always, um, you know, welcome people who are um, fleeing conflict and turmoil in their own countries. There were um, thousands upon thousands of uh, Rwandan refugees, for example, in Uganda for a very long time. And um, while um, some governments did attempt to crack down on them when they began to politically organize, which was kind of tricky, uh, for the most part, and for many, many long years, the refugees in Uganda from various countries have been allowed to um, to really settle in Uganda and um, try to make their livings there, have been able to enjoy the rights that many other Ugandans enjoy. There have been exceptions to that um, um, when those refugees have been perceived of being involved in political activities, but uh, for the most part, many refugees from all over the region have settled in Uganda, which is a, um, probably the most ethnically diverse country in the world, actually. I once saw an ethnic diversity map of the world, and Uganda wins. So there is, um, despite the usual tensions that may happen anywhere, it's a surprisingly uh, uh, tolerant place. So, so far, it seems almost, I mean, it seems almost like you're reinforcing this idea that, that Uganda truly does have a very compassionate approach to refugees. Um, so I guess I would, I would then move into your recent PS column where you warn against, um, you know, trusting the Ugandan government to lead the way on the refugee crisis. Yeah. I mean, my issue with what's going on now in Uganda in terms of refugees is that um, Uganda has been led by the same strong man, um, Yoweri Museveni, since 1986. Few uh, people in the West, in America and Europe and so on, know who he is, but he's actually a very um, strong um, ally of Western governments has received enormous amount of uh, development and military aid. 
uh, over that time um, and is often praised as an ally in the war on terror uh, um, and uh, as a peacemaker in the uh, Great Lakes and Horn of Africa. But this is really misleading because most of the refugees now fleeing into Uganda are uh, running away and escaping conflicts that Museveni had a hand in creating. Mm-hmm. And the most um, egregious recent example of this is the situation in South Sudan. There's a very, very complicated war has been going on there since December 2013. And um, almost without a break, but, um, and it's a very, very, very brutal situation. There were, um, South Sudan is the world's youngest nation. It was created in um, 2011, and its um, president and vice president, tensions emerged between the two of them. Its president, Salva Kiir, and its vice president, Riyak Machar um, uh, never got along, and tensions emerged almost at once between them. And there was um, corruption on both sides, which exacerbated the tensions between them. And there was also, um, I think, a sense on the vice president's side that he wanted to take over the government. And he felt, I think, that he was more popular and would gain more support, both within the army and among the population. And while the details of how the war started are rather murky, it seems as though President Selvig here, troops under his command and of his ethnic group, the Dinka, attacked Machar's troops in December 2013, uh, thinking that they were planning a coup. There's no evidence that there was a coup being plotted, but in any case, uh, that sparked uh, uh, retaliation by troops of Machar's ethnicity, the new heir, and suddenly you have this war which is continuing and growing worse and worse and worse by the day. And what's happening at the moment is that Kier definitely has the upper hand. He has the support of the international community, and uh, Machar himself has been marginalized, but his rebels are still fighting. And Kier is meanwhile um, um, uh, inflicting a kind of scorched earth policy on huge swaths of the country and attacking anyone who is deemed even by um, ethnic affiliation to have any relationship to loyalists to Machar. And that is resulting in what the the UK development minister has called genocide or acts of genocide in any case. And many, many people are concerned about this. And yet uh, the massacres continue and the support for Kier also seems to be continuing. Now, early on, uh, Museveni sent his, it seemed as though at the beginning that Machar's troops would uh, because most troops within South Sudan are actually loyal to him, that he would prevail. But very early on in January 2014, just weeks or days after the war, the fighting started, Museveni sent his army, Ugandan army, into um, um, into South Sudan and assisted Kier and essentially propped him up 
and there are suspicions that his troops are still there and still fighting. As Museveni stokes these, these conflicts or contributes to these conflicts, um, producing refugees, but at the same time you seem to agree that for a refugee in Uganda, it's, it's still not a bad deal. So I guess the question I have is, um, you know, in your PS piece, you, you refer to that, that the West and the UN shouldn't trust Uganda to lead the way um, in, in helping to resolve this crisis. Um, you use the expression, um, enlisting Museveni's help to solve the crisis is like hiring an arsonist to lead a fire brigade. So I guess I want to get down to that um, specific conflict and, and how to address the refugee crisis, how you suggest addressing the refugee crisis? Well, um, two things. One thing is that actually the Sudanese, South Sudanese refugees and the others are actually under enormous pressure. They do need help. Um, there's not enough food in the refugee camps. Um, they are subject to attacks over the border, which are and forced recruitment and so on from uh, the combatants within South Sudan. And so it's a very scary situation actually. Um, and not, and, and so some, something does need to be done. Um, however, the, the difficulty with the way it seems that the international community is acting is, is uh, the way they usually do when they support uh, development activities by, um, or humanitarian activities with the 70 is that they give him the money uh, and have his um, government handle it and that's very very tricky because his government is responsible for um uh fi financial scandals involving foreign aid and other government um um funds uh amounting to billions of dollars actually and um these uh these um or at least may perhaps not billions but hundreds of millions and these include things like um, money intended for AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria programs for uh, the reconstruction of northern Uganda after the Joseph Kony War, road building programs, forestry programs. I mean, I could go on at length, but there is a very, very long history of corruption in that country. And so really what donors must do is be much more careful about um, um, supporting, making sure that the money goes to the actual refugees and, and uh, avoids as far as possible the organs of the Japanese government. And the other thing that's disturbing is the rhetorical and um, uh, support that the government of Uganda has, has received, the sort of unflinching um, um, praise when I think I would be very surprised if senior UN diplomats are unaware of the background of the conflict in South Sudan and in other countries. I mean, Uganda has also had a had a hand in the in the uh, conflict in Congo and in the conflict in Somalia. So uh, it's really time to rethink our relationship uh, with this man. Uh, Helen, thank you very much for talking with us about a very complicated problem. I think you've clarified a lot of it for our listeners uh, in a very, uh, very interesting, very stimulating way. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, well, thanks so much. 
Thanks for tuning in to our discussion with Helen Epstein, the author of the forthcoming book, Another Fine Mess, America, Uganda, and the War on Terror. Be sure to rate and review our podcast and subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Talk to you again soon.